Well, we were all amazed this past week as we watched the miracle at the mine in Chile. These 33 men who were 2,000 feet below the surface in the safety room after this mine disaster were rescued. You see a picture here of the uh, device they used to get the men up, and uh, it was just a real celebration. And it's really hard to imagine these guys down there uh, for 17 days not knowing whether they were going to live or die. We see a picture of them here. And it was hot. It was very, very warm uh, down there. And they didn't have much food. In fact, Lewis, who was a foreman, was the one who brought sanity to a very insane situation. He rationed out the food uh, this is two spoonfuls of tuna every 48 hours and a sip of milk every 48 hours. Well, they lost a lot of weight, a lot of muscle mass, and again, they didn't know what was going to happen until finally they came in contact with the rescuers. It took another two months, uh, less than two months, in order to be able to reach them. And what celebration there was as that first miner came out and billions of people around the world were watching on TV, including uh, myself, and our hearts were just filled uh, with joy at uh, the fact that these men were in an impossible situation and they were saved and they're alive. Uh, today we see uh, the victory uh, chant there as uh, they came out of the mine. That's the foreman, Louise, and then we see uh, the group of them with their special sunglasses to protect their eyes. And so it's something certainly that uh, we all rejoice over. But I was thinking about this in relationship to our message today, Joy in the Job. Just imagine if you were locked away in a room above ground with people that you work with. And you only had a few tables and chairs and some sleeping bags, minimal food. And you had to spend a week with them, 24 Seven. There was nothing there but those few items. How many? Would that be a nightmare for anybody? <laughs> okay, somebody's very. <laughs> Was that you, Rich? Oh, come on, come on. Okay, all right. We're gonna have to talk to you later, my friend. <laughs> I'd look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, people certainly can rob the joy from. Our jobs. And we're talking about joy on the job. What's your job? We have all different types of jobs represented here. We have office jobs. Uh, some of you work in factories. Some of you work out of your car. Some of you work out of your house. Some of you work in airplanes. Some of you work on construction sites. Uh, some of you work in classrooms. Uh, your students. Some of you uh, are parents who care for their kids all day long. That's your job. Some are retired, and you work on different projects, and that's your job. Basically, your job is whatever you do most of the time uh, during the day. And God wants you to experience joy on your job because, let's face it, you spend a third of your adult life on your job. And if you're not experiencing joy there, uh, you're going to really not have a lot of joy in your life. So we're going to look at some joy factors. We're in the midst of a series entitled, Get the Joy, studying the book of Philippians, the letter 
that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and we encourage you to bring your Bibles every week as we study uh, through this book. Uh, lift your Bible up right now if you have your Bible uh, with you. Everybody lift your Bible up. All right. Well, we thank you for bringing your Bible, and if you didn't have a chance this week, bring it next week as we study Philippians. We're looking at Philippians 2, 19 through 21. And the first joy factor on your job is that you need to serve others. You need to serve others. We look at Philippians 2.19. I hope in the Lord Jesus. I hope in the Lord Jesus. That says a lot about our study already. Where do you find joy? You find joy in Jesus Christ. He epitomizes joy. He's the source of joy. So, If you're going to experience joy in your life, you have to have Jesus within you. You have to have Jesus controlling you. You have to have Jesus flowing through you, living His life through you. You need to be abiding in Christ, walking in Him. This is impossible. We talk about earthly joy that comes and goes with circumstances, but we're talking about supernatural joy here. It only can come through God. It's impossible alone. A supernatural joy that can come in difficult situations like with our job. And he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus. That's the only way we can live the Christian life is by continually putting our hope in Christ for every situation that comes our way. Putting our faith in Him. Trusting in Him. I hope in the Lord Jesus. It sums it up, what we've been talking about. To send Timothy to you soon... But I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Now, he was going to send Timothy to the people at Philippi so that he could minister to them and catch up with them and then come back to Paul and report exactly what he learned about them. And then Paul was going to be cheered because they brought him joy. Now, Timothy, of course, was the one who was mentioned in the beginning of this letter. He was the one who was transcribing, most likely, what Paul said he was mentored by Paul, he was led to Christ by Paul, he was a pastor, he was very much a brother of Paul, or even a son of Paul, one might say. He says, I have no one else like him, that's referring to Timothy, who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Like him in the original language speaks of being like-minded, being a kindred spirit with someone. They approach life in the same way. Uh, They had the same type of mindset. They had the same love for God and love for other people. They had a genuine interest in the people at Philippi and, of course, all the people that they ministered to. It says, For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, we've heard this before, right? Let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 2. We studied this several weeks ago. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, like it's all about me, I'm number one, I'm going to get what I want done, or vain conceit, I want to impress other people and show them how great I am. But in humility, seeing God as, seeing yourself as God sees you, consider others better than yourselves. And we need to do that because we're so stuck on ourselves, we need to think that other people are better than us, even to move us up to uh, the level that God would want us to be in. Each of you should not look not only your own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Now, we've got to take care of our own life. We've got to think about the things that are going on and what we need to get done. But there needs to be a balance between the two. We need to move from being selfish to being selfless. Selfish to selfless. Because, again, when we focus on ourselves, when me is the center of everything, that's going to bring misery. When you're only thinking about yourself. Well, we move on. And we see the passage we just looked at. And it says again, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. That's what you need to do in the job. You need to take a genuine interest in other people. Now, the tendency that we have, again, is to be self-absorbed. Uh, we're on the job. There's so many demands. There's so many challenges. We've got this project to worry about. We've got this problem we have to deal with. We've got to deal with this particular person and uh, their peculiarities. And uh, we've got to get these things done on time. And we want to get ahead in the job. And all these things are going through our minds. It's very easy to become self-absorbed and only think about ourselves. But God has put us on the job not only to think about ourselves and serve Him, but He's put us there in order to be concerned about other people. To take an interest in other people. And that's something we need to work hard at. We look at Philippians 2.21. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's common for people to look out for their own interests. But we, as Christ followers, need to look out for the interests of Jesus Christ. We need to be concerned about are Jesus Christ's interests being carried out on this earth? Now, there are embassies for the United States all across the world. When I was in Belize, the missionary that I was with took me to the U.S. Embassy there. And what are those embassies there for? Well, they're there to protect the interests of the United States, to protect and represent us to protect citizens who are in that particular country or have relationships with that country. That's what the purpose of an embassy is, to protect the interests of the United States. Now, it's very interesting that the leader of an embassy is called an ambassador. But we're called ambassadors, too. We look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, an ambassadorship is a real privilege. Many times ambassadorships are given out as political gifts because you've been loyal to a particular presidential candidate. He gives you a certain ambassadorship, and they make jokes about different places where you don't want to go and be an ambassador. <laughs> so the idea is that it's a privilege to be an ambassador, and we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We have got the top job in the world. We're representing Jesus Christ's interests in this world. So, what is Jesus Christ's interest? As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is His main concern, that people be reconciled to God, that people make peace with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that people become children 
of God. That is the message that we as ambassadors are given to take to this world. And you have been put on your job. You've been put in the midst of people that you work with to be an ambassador. The interesting thing about this mine situation is these guys work together. These guys were a team together. And here they were stuck in this dire situation. And it was dark. And there was little hope, one might say, in those early days, most likely. And you had these people who were in the light, people who were free, who were trying to rescue these miners. They were doing everything they could to rescue these miners. Resources from around the world were pouring into Chile in order to rescue these miners. And night and day, these people labored to rescue these miners until they came in contact with them. And then they, they, they dug the shafts. And, of course, there was a wonderful ending. But think about all the energy that went into saving these men. And that energy was well worth it. But let's think about this for a moment. It's interesting they talked about that there was a, uh, a 34th person down there, and that person was God. So these people were religious people. Now, I'm not sure exactly uh, what their religious background was. God means different things to different people. But let's just theoretically imagine that maybe one or two of these miners were not Christ followers. They weren't Christ followers. So... You have this dramatic rescue from an earthly death. And now they're living again. But friends, there's something that is much more serious than physical death. What we need to fear is spiritual death. And that happens to people who are not reconciled to God before they die, who don't find peace with God before they die, who don't bow to Jesus Christ and accept that free gift of salvation. And it could be that all this effort went into saving, let's say, these two miners, but in the end they're going to spend an eternity without Christ. Well, which is worse, being in a mine hole or being separated from Christ? Well, certainly being separated from Christ, right? So what does that say to you and I? As we work with people... On our jobs, these people, many of them are facing Christless eternities. And you see all the effort that went in to save people's physical lives in Chile. How much effort should you put in to being God's agent to lead these people into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Does that, does that hit home? Huh? We're talking about eternity here, guys. And the people that you work with, many of them, are not headed toward heaven at this particular time. And you have been put in that spot. You can't force people to become a Christ follower, but certainly you can do everything that God leads you to do to make that happen. We've got to take this very, very seriously. And that's why we're here as a church, because we're ambassadors, and we want to see people come to Christ and, and grow deep in their relationship with Christ. But we've got to introduce them first to who Jesus Christ is. How do we do that? Well, obviously it's difficult in a job situation. There's sometimes restrictions on what you can talk about, not proselytizing, those type of things. But there's a lot of things you can do to show the love of Christ to people. And they can see the difference in your life 
A genuine interest. I think a way you can show a genuine interest, not an artificial interest where you're just trying to be polite or you're trying to get to know and care about that person so you can manipulate them later. But a genuine interest comes through just showing interest in them by asking them questions. I've been amazed over the years how many people do not have the skill of cultivating a relationship with a person by simply asking them questions. It's really very simple. You can come up with a list of 20 questions that you can ask once in a while to people to get to know them. But I watch people react or interact with one another and People just don't take the initiative to take interest. And I think sometimes it's maybe a lack of skill, but most of the time I think it's just selfishness. We're just thinking about ourselves, so we really don't take the time to get to know other people and just ask them about their family. Ask them about what they do outside the job that interests them. Ask them about whatever comes up, but initiate questions. Think about this past week on your job, whatever that job might be. How much time did you spend showing personal interest in the people that you work with? Now, I know, very busy day, a lot of things going on. But did you take any time this week to show a genuine interest in someone else's life by asking them questions about how things were going? If you know about a particular situation, a hardship in their life, how much time did you ask them? That's being an ambassador of Christ, showing a genuine interest. And if you have the opportunity, if the person is open to it, if they share something with you, a difficulty in their life, you can say, hey, can I pray for you in relationship to that issue? I'll tell you what, most people are not going to say, let's say their aunt is sick, and say, can I pray for your aunt? No way, you do not pray for my aunt. All right? I don't want any of it. That's not going to happen. All right? Maybe... I don't think so, though. They're going to say, yeah, sure. I mean, who's going to reject prayer? Uh, And then you pray for the aunt, and then you come back a couple days later or a week, whatever, when you see him again, how's your aunt doing? Boy, I tell you, that speaks of love for that person. But not only do you say you'll pray for them, but then you come back and say, I prayed, how she's doing? How is she doing? That's showing love and concern for that person. Another way you can show genuine interest in people is by serving them. How can you serve your fellow employees? How can you make their job easier? Maybe you can help them in a particular area. Computers are are the bane of employment, right, of jobs these days. There's so many problems with computers. And maybe you know computers and you can help somebody out, figure something out or teach them a certain thing about a program. I don't know. You know how you can serve people, how you can sacrifice your time that you could be using to uh, further your agenda on the job and give that over to them and say, I'm going to take this time to help you. Maybe it's a newer person on the job and they don't know exactly what's going on. Maybe it's a person who just doesn't quite fit in in your uh, company, in your office, and you really go out of the way to let them know that that you like them and and you take interest in them. And they might be a little bit odd, but you're going to show Christ's love to them. Uh, That speaks volumes. Or maybe you just want to find out what their favorite food is and bring it to them. That's my my default here, okay, guys? I'm going to make it as easy as possible for you guys. So if you can't think of any way else to help people, to serve people, to show genuine interest, go to somebody, or maybe you already know, 
what kind of cookies they like, what kind of brownies they like, what kind of chips they like, and you buy it, make it, whatever, and bring it to them. So if you carry nothing else from this message about loving others, just find out what people in your office like to eat and bring it to them. It works every time. People will not turn you away. People will not stop saying, stop bringing that to me unless they're trying to lose weight or something like that. Again, bring food. Show love. Hey, we need to serve one another. That's going to bring joy. When we're focused on ourselves, we tend to get down. We focus on other people. It lifts us up as we do it uh, for the Lord. Well, I want to look at our next uh, passage here, or our next uh, point, that is our next joy factor. Next, to prove yourself. To prove yourself. Philippians 2.22. We need to prove ourselves. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. He served with me in the work of the gospel. You need to prove yourself at work that you're a good worker, that you do your best. Now, why is that? Well, because God created work. God put Adam and Eve in the garden. And he gave them a job. Now, many of you think that work is the curse that God put upon this earth. You think Adam and Eve was just sitting around eating fruit, taking it easy, that kind of thing. No, they were taking care of the garden, and then they sinned. And then work became more difficult, but work still is what God wants us to do. He designed us that way. He has us working in order to add value to the lives of other people. Other people. There's a lot of ways. I mean, no matter what you're doing, you're adding value to the lives of other people. I look around here, I see uh, Preston and Lisa Kay. They're optometrists. And they add a lot of value to people in terms of taking care of their eyes. I think I saw Bill. Is Bill Atkinson here? Uh, I don't think. But Bill and Becky Atkinson also are optometrists. We have two couples. <laughs> They're all four optometrists, okay? So we're all taken care of there. All right? Uh, let's see, who else uh, do we have? Scott Phillips back there, uh, works with U.S. Cellular. Uh, any U.S. Cellular fans out there? Hey, don't look, Scott. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but no, Scott serves us right uh, in relationship to uh, taking care of our cell phones. And uh, then uh, I think Jeff Hinkle there works at Snap-on. Uh, if anybody uses Snap-on equipment out there. All right, okay, well, say thank you to Jeff over here. He's adding value, and Kevin McDonough works at Motorola, and uh, he's cooking up some secret stuff that we can't talk about right now, but has something to do with cell phones. And uh, Tim Oman down here works at Wells Fargo as a financial advisor. Now, he's adding value to people's lives. We all need financial advice, and Donna uh, is at home caring uh, for Tyler and Trevor. Uh, she's adding incredible value, right? Uh, again, mentoring these children. And the love of the Lord. And we got Angel Heaver, who's a nurse and uh, works in a lot of different areas, training nurses, those type of things, up at Sintegra. She has a lot of value. And Rob works at a company where he's a head mechanic that uh, works with 100 different uh, vehicles. And he's in charge of all those vehicles. God bless you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> we need mechanics. No way to make a difference. On Roger Mills back there, he's a uh, school counselor and a social worker, and he deals with a lot of kids who are hurting. And uh, you see, we all add value. I don't care how mundane it is. 
Think about who you're adding value to. And God has called you to that particular responsibility to add value to your life. So you worship as you work. Whenever you're in sync with God, whenever you're doing what He wants you to do, you're in sync with Him and you're worshiping Him. So you worship through your work. And therefore, you need to do a good job. 2 Timothy 2.15 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, he was talking to Timothy, who was a pastor. So he said, Timothy, you want to be a good pastor. You really want to know the word. You want to teach the word. You want to apply the word. You need to be a workman. You need to correctly handle the word of truth. Now, this could apply to any of you. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who is a great mechanic, a great optometrist, a great hairdresser, whatever it is. Again, these are things that we need to apply to our lives. We need to do the best job we can because we're serving God. We look in Ephesians 6, 7. It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not Men, now remember, the majority of the early church were slaves, and they had every reason to say, I'm not serving my master. Hey, this is wrong. This is immoral. I shouldn't be owned by somebody else. So they had every reason to say, hey, I'm not going to do my best. I'm just going to kind of get by. But what does Paul say? He says, you need to serve your master like you're serving Jesus Christ, because you are serving Jesus Christ. You see the same principle in Colossians where it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. There you got it. Work at it with all your heart. Be passionate. Be engaged. Be doing your best. Because you're working for the Lord. Just imagine if you walked into work tomorrow and Jesus Christ showed up in His glorified body. And he was your supervisor for the week. He was your supervisor for the week. How would this next week be different from last week? Do you think that you would be more excited about going to work if Jesus Christ was your supervisor? Do you think that you would work harder if Jesus Christ was your supervisor? Do you think that you'd have a better attitude if Jesus Christ was your supervisor, do you think that you would want to put out the best output possible if Jesus Christ is your supervisor? Yes, 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 yes. Well, i got news for you. Jesus Christ is your supervisor. You might not be able to see Him, but He's there, and you're working for Him. Now, if that's a new concept to you or something that you've been reminded of, I would encourage you to print something out, write something, put it on the dashboard, put it on the mirror, Put it on your desk. I'm working for Jesus. And that can transform your whole work experience no matter how bad your job might be. You're still doing that job for Jesus. And that's going to increase your joy. That's going to be an incredible joy factor in your life if you take that type of orientation. You're working for Jesus. <laughs> there was a uh, retired guy. They used to go to the mall. And he noticed they were remodeling the mall, and there was this one crane operator that he came across, and this crane operator was really into his job. He, he was engaged. He was excited. He was always working away. He never lost 
focus. And, and he just watched him for hours. He'd come back day after day watching this crane operator. And near the end of the job, the crane operator came, the crane operator came down to meet this guy. And he introduced himself, and this guy said, yeah, I'm retired, and I have just had such a good time watching you. You are really excited about your work. You work hard. And the crane operator's eyes are kind of wide, and he says, you're retired? I thought you were the foreman. (laughs) Jesus Christ is always watching you. You need to give your best. And He works through you to give you your best in order to serve Him. There's another individual we want to look at as a model of a good workman, and that's Epaphroditus. I read this in Philippians 2.25, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Now, Epaphroditus, you might not have heard of before, but he was sent by the people at Philippi in order to bring the sacrifice. Remember, they had the financial gift that they were bringing to Paul to help care for him while he was in prison, because in prison they didn't really take care of your needs. Now, he was under house arrest. He had a little better accommodations than most prisoners. But at the same time, he needed financial support and people to serve him and so they were sending this gift and remember the book of philippians the letter to philippi uh, was really a thank you note but much expanded one it gave us great insight into what it means to have joy in our lives so it was a thank you note for this gift as well as for epaphroditus they sent epaphroditus down because epaphroditus was committed to paul and he was there solely to serve paul to take care of all his needs to, to care for him But Epaphroditus got sick. But we see here how uh, he was so committed to Paul. Notice how he describes him. He says he's my brother. So he had a very close relationship with Epaphroditus. My fellow worker. He was taking care of Paul. He was partnering with him. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. And fellow soldier. He was in the battle with Paul. Paul was in prison. He was not in a good situation. But Epaphroditus was there to stand with him. He was doing his job. He was proving himself. And my question for you and myself, are we proving ourselves to God in our work? Are we worshiping God through our work? It's been said that you need three people to move a piano. One to push the piano. One to pull the piano. And one to carry the piano bench. Now, my question for you, are you carrying the piano bench in your job? Are you just doing the light work? Are you doing the minimum? Doing your time? Is that really what God wants from you? You need to get on that piano. You need to start pulling and pushing it and, and moving it ahead. And you're going to experience joy from serving God in that way. Another joy factor is uh, respecting leaders, your boss and your supervisor, and you might say at this point, wait a second, Dan, I bought into everything you said so far, but you don't know my boss, you don't know my supervisor, Uh, I don't respect their lifestyle, I don't respect their leadership, I can't respect them. Well, I understand 
But you've got to respect their position over you. God has put them over you. God has put you in that particular place. And you need to respect their position. That's going to take some powerful, supernatural work, right? Jesus is going to have have to help you in that one. But he wants you to do that. And there's two things you want to do. First of all, you want to maximize the capacity of your supervisor. You want to serve them in such a way that they can get their best work done, and then you want to minimize their stress. This is what Epaphroditus did. First of all, he maximized Paul's capacity. He maximized it. He came down to serve him, to to take care of his needs, to help him to get everything he needed so he could keep writing these letters and minister to people who came uh, to see him. Read in verse 26, after Paul has decided to send Epaphroditus back, he says, For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. We're not sure why. Uh, The Roman fever was common at this particular period. Maybe it was that. Many people were dying of that. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So he maximized Paul's ministry by serving him. And he was willing to go home. If Paul told him to go home, whatever Paul needed, that's what he would do. But he also minimized the stress. Therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So he's willing to go home to give up his tax that he had taken there in order to minimize the anxiety. So how do you maximize and minimize? Well, you maximize the capacity of your boss by doing your best, right? Doing your best, uh, serving your boss, doing whatever he asks you to do. And if you're really brave, you might ask your boss, how can I help you? I know that's a very dangerous question. But if God so leads you to ask that, you know, ask it. Whatever you can do to enhance your boss's experience. Now, again, this might be very difficult for some of you, for the bosses you have. But remember, you're serving Jesus Christ, and Jesus is asking you to do this. And you want to minimize the anxiety of your boss. You want to do the best job you can, and you want to study your boss and study your office culture, whatever type of culture you might be in, and figure out, okay, how can I minimize the stress on my boss? And then do whatever it is. Go the second mile. Do things you're not asked to do. That's what God is asking us to do in these particular areas. And it's going to take supernatural power to make that happen. Another thing you can do, another joy factor, is to honor others. To honor others. This is what Paul did as he sent Epaphroditus back. He says in verse 25, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. Honor men like him. How do we honor people in the workplace? Well, we honor people, I think, by encouraging them when they do well. When is the last time you encouraged a coworker? When's the last time you said, that was a real win? 
for our team. That was a real win for our company. You know, this particular thing that you did really made the difference. And more importantly, and even more powerfully, do this in front of other people. Let's say you're sitting around drinking coffee and shooting the breeze, and you just look over and say, Jim, thanks so much for the extra time. I know you sacrificed a lot of time last week uh, to put this project uh, together, and I just, I just really appreciate it. And that's why I brought your favorite type of brownies today. Okay? Always go back to food. If you've got nothing else, bring their favorite food. That's a great way to honor a person. Finally, we want to look at risking wisely. Risking wisely. We can go to the next slide. Risking wisely. This is what Epaphroditus did. He was, he was a brave guy, Epaphroditus. Here he was going down to help out a person who was in a Roman prison cell, house arrest. And that was a dangerous thing to do. Because if you associated with a person who was in the Roman court system, uh, they could easily pull you in as well. But Epaphroditus didn't care. And on top of it, he got sick. What does he say? It says, Philippians 2.29, Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life, putting his life at hazard, to make up for the help you could not give me. You sent him in order that I could be served, because you couldn't serve me from such a distance. So have you risked in the area for God? What does that mean on your job? Well, it could be an ethical risk. 28% of the people say that they would be willing to lie, they'd be willing to backstab or do something else immoral to, to keep their job. Well, we as Christians need to to speak up when it comes to an ethical dilemma. When you say we can't do that. And for some people, they've lost their jobs over it. And that's, that's pretty serious stuff. But that's taking a risk for God. We need to take a risk for God just telling people that we're a Christ follower. Think to yourself. Do people at your job know that you, you love Jesus Christ? They know that. And if they don't know that, there's something wrong there. Okay? And if you've worked there for a period of time and they have no clue that you love Jesus Christ, you're not doing your work. You're a hidden ambassador. And hidden ambassadors, they don't help at all. Right? You're to represent the interests of Christ in your workplace. You need to identify yourself as a Christ follower. I mean, you can say you go to church. That's good. That's a good start. You can say, yeah, I go to church and church on Sunday and talk about your experiences there. Uh, but at some point, you need to say, I'm a Christ follower. Uh, I don't know how you say it. You say, Dan, I could never say that. Well, again, you need to talk to your small group. You need to talk to other Christian friends. How can I identify myself as a Christ follower, somebody who's committed to Jesus Christ? And then you need to testify in small ways by saying, again, God answered my prayer. Uh, God encouraged me. God helped me in this area. You know, God has transformed my life at appropriate times. That's taking a risk, right? Because you know if you say that, people are going to look at you a little askew. They might perceive you in a different way. And we don't like that. When you think about people around the world who are being jailed for their faith, who are being ostracized for their faith in very serious ways, I mean, really, come on. Let's get serious. Let's step up. 
Let's take a risk and stand for Jesus Christ. All you have to do is look up Christian martyrdom, and you'll get a lot of or Christian persecution on the web. If, if, if you're kind of, I don't know if I want to do that, put in Christian persecution in your browser and read some of those stories, and uh, I think that it will inspire you to at least be able to identify with Christ and testify to who Jesus Christ is. I'm going to ask Dean Brandt to come out at this time. Dean Brandt is one of our overseers, our leader, leaders here at Springbrook, our leadership board. And he is a great servant back in our production ministry in many areas. He's just going to share some insights uh, about his job and how he's applied some of these things. Well, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Dean Brandt. Uh, uh, Dan asked me to talk, like he just said, about uh, uh, the job that I have and what I uh, try to do uh, as much as possible. Um, I work for a company called uh, American Wilbert Burial Vaults. Uh, and for those who don't know what that is, those are the concrete boxes that a casket gets put into when they're buried in the ground. So you can insert your own joke there. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, things that I try to do at work um, when it comes to, like, serving others, uh, I, I am fortunate enough that... Uh, uh, I am uh, the assistant plant manager at our plant. So I'm actually on both sides. I have uh, those that are over me, and I also have those that are under me. So I get to see both sides. I get to uh, influence others by uh, being an authority over them and yet still have others that are in authority over me. Uh, but I am fortunate in the fact that my direct... Uh, uh, supervisor, I guess, uh, the manager or plant that I work with uh, every day is also a Christian. Um, so I have some support there to help me along the way that uh, on days that I'm having a bad day, he can encourage me and, if need be, hit me upside the head to uh, uh, get my thinking correct again, too. But uh, we uh, together we can do things like along, uh, as Dan had talked about, with food. Uh, when it comes to Christmas, we can get together with uh, guys, uh, put together a meal, and just show our appreciation for them, the work that they do uh, throughout the year. Uh, that uh, uh, Sometimes uh, in uh, a position of authority, you can be always negative or trying to correct or being critical, you know, just saying, well, you need to do this or that. Uh, and this is just one of the ways that we can also be uh, influencing them and telling them, you know, that they're doing a good job and give them some encouragement in that way. Um, and I, I've uh, always been one that uh, has tried to be open about uh, my beliefs, my uh, uh, where I stand, uh, that I'm a Christian and such, and... Uh, especially being in, a, in that position of authority, that I have to be careful in, uh, in taking the risks that Dan was talking about and not being uh, necessarily evangelizing. Uh, I can't be, you know, putting it in such a way where people might feel like I'm trying to influence them or push them to doing something to where they think that uh, uh, they would be getting favorable treatment if they re react in a certain way when I talk to them. But so... Instead of doing that, things that I like to do is uh, I would always uh, 
have my radio on to uh, a Christian station. Uh, when uh, in the office, uh, if I can sometimes have uh, the computer open uh, on a, a website, you know, where it has Bible verses or something along those lines, so that people can see uh, what I like to do in my private time and uh, make it so that if they want to, they can come to me and ask questions and make myself available in that way. And I, it's uh, something I really enjoy, and it's uh, a way in which I've had some very interesting and, uh, uh, I would say, fruitful conversations with some of the people that I work with that way. Um, and uh, just uh, another way of serving is uh, we... Uh, we have a, an employee that his wife has been struggling. Uh, she's going through, I think, her third bout now with cancer. Uh, she had breast cancer. It's moved, and she now it's in her bones. And we get the chance to be able to uh, encourage him, support him. Uh, if he wants, we can pray with him. And we, we let him know that we're available to do that and that he that we have an open door where people are willing, uh, we're willing to listen to uh, their issues, their problems, and if they want, uh, we can help give advice or, like I said, even just pray with them. And that's something uh, I also would like to uh, possibly institute at work, too, is where we may put uh, almost like a suggestion box uh, on our desk where we can make it available. People can write down prayer requests and that we would be willing to pray for them. Um, so, like I said, I am very fortunate in the fact that I work with somebody else who is a, uh, a strong Christian and a, and a believer. But I would like to encourage you that if you can, uh, find somebody like that at work that can encourage you, help keep you focused on, uh, on Christ at all times or as much as possible. Because uh, I know, like I said, uh, with me, there are those days where you get frustrated. And whether it's... Uh, from your boss telling you something that drives you crazy or trying to instruct somebody else and uh, them not listening. But having somebody else there to help steer you back uh, to looking to Christ and uh, finding the joy in the day, even though things just don't seem to be going well at that time. But if you don't have somebody that at work that's like that, uh, I would encourage you to, if you have an index card or something like that, just something that can help remind you uh, throughout the day that, you know, you're not doing this for your, your boss, you're not doing it for yourself, uh, you're doing whatever you're doing for Christ and that you can focus on him and keep him at the center of your day. Amen. Thank Dean. Uh, Dean, you're a true servant here in our ministry, and it doesn't surprise me you're a true servant on the job. Thank you for your testimony about how you're uh, continuing to worship at work and uh, showing genuine affection for those you work with. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Well, I tell you what, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for Dean and this living testimony of what it means to show genuine interest and to worship as you work. And I pray also for all of us as we work this week that we would work for you, that we'd remember that we're working for you, and that would inspire us to do our best, and that we're ambassadors for you. 
and that you would give us creative ways to identify and testify of our faith in you. In Christ's name, amen. We have our